Hi! Hey! Welcome to The Cordial Catholic, a podcast for non-Catholics, new Catholics, those looking to dig deeper into the Catholic faith. I'm Keith Little, an evangelical convert to Catholicism, and this podcast is based on one particular idea. It began for me when a Protestant pastor I was working for asked me the question, what's more important, the Bible or tradition? That question led me on a deep dive into the history of my Christian faith, history of the Bible, the history of the Church, up to the Reformation, and beyond, and everything in between. And it was then that I realized what I thought I knew about things like the Catholic faith, for example, was based in large part on misinformation, and more often than not, on simple misunderstandings. Well, this podcast serves to fill in that same gap, the gap between what do you think Catholics believe and what we actually do. Each week, I have a real Catholic conversation with a real Catholic thinker from the heart of the Catholic Church. No misinformation here. And this week, I am absolutely thrilled to bring you my conversation with my friend Taylor Scroll from Forte Catholic on why the RCAA process is so terrible. This is a fantastic conversation because there are so many people like maybe like you out there who are looking into becoming Catholic or in the process of becoming Catholic that so oftentimes encounter a horrible formation process that we call the Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults, the RCIA. And gosh, guys, well, this is part therapy session, part what's wrong with the program, part how to fix it, our own personal ideas, and really part just, yeah, persevere, <laughs> get through it, you can do it, here's what's out on the other side and why it's important just to go through that process to begin with. It's a wonderful conversation. Taylor's a fantastic guy. We have lots, it turns out, in common, good and bad, and had a wonderful time having this conversation. I, I think, you know, I mentioned this too in the show, that Taylor is one of those guys that I encountered early on in my uh, journey into the Catholic faith uh, on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, who was just a joyful Catholic filled with the Holy Spirit, in love with his faith, and practicing the, the weird and wacky bits of the Catholic faith. And it shows in this conversation, there's a lot of laughter after from Taylor and from me, and we have a great time uh, throughout. So I hope that comes through and you enjoy this conversation. This and others are brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash cordialcatholic and our one-time sponsors at paypal.me slash cordialcatholic. This, guys, is not my full-time job. I have one of those. It's very busy and four young kids at home as well. And your help of this show helps it to keep going and growing and makes it possible to afford things like the studio and, and the, the finances and those kinds of things. So honestly, guys, thank you to those who are already supporting the show. If you feel led and called in that direction, those links are in the show notes. And thank Thank you as well. And now, without any further ado, my fantastic conversation on why RCIA is so terrible with my friend Taylor Scroll. Please listen and enjoy. Hey friends, welcome back to the show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. If you are watching, uh, one of the 10 people watching on YouTube, thank you. Please subscribe to the channel if you could. We're trying to grow that channel and reach more people with conversations like this one. So thank you for watching there. And please do like it, subscribe to the channel, hit the bell, do all those fun things you guys do on YouTube. And thank you for watching. If you are listening on podcast, welcome. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, or on Spotify, please leave a rating or review if you can, because that also helps push the podcast and conversations like this fantastic one we're about to have 
out to more and more people. Guys, I am thrilled this week to welcome my guest on the show. I am joined by Taylor Skoll. He is a catechist, a podcast host, host of the Forte uh, Catholic Podcast, a dad, and an all-around uh, joy-filled Catholic. Uh, Taylor, uh, I've followed you for a long time, so I'm very happy to have you on the podcast. Welcome uh, and hello. Hey, how are you? It's, uh, you and a bunch of other uh, pretty successful Catholic YouTubers always joke that you only have ten viewers. Uh, when I when I, I like I, I, I looked at your channel, you have hundreds or thousands on a lot of your videos. I genuinely have ten views on some of my YouTube videos, so it's always a little hurtful whenever I hear people say that. Like, <laughs> okay, okay. There's a, a Catholic comedian I listen to, and she's like, "Oh, my failed YouTube channel," and she gets more views in the first ten minutes than I do in the life of a video. So. Oh, this makes you feel good. Great way to start. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. If we're airing Dirty Laundry, I can't stand Matt Frad. okay? If we're going to be going out there, talk about envy. Here's a guy who can blink, right, and get 10 million views on his YouTube channel. Years ago, I put hours and hours and hours of editing a single episode. I'd put it out. I'd get 10 views. I'd watch Matt Frad put on ChapStick. I haven't tried doing a video where I put on chapstick. I mean, honestly, that might get more views than my normal stuff. <laughs> I don't know why I'm turning off. I was trying to make you feel better <laughs> and me feel better by bashing Matt Frad, and I just lost it, all it that does, audience of people. It does who make like, me feel better yeah. when you crap on other people. That I, <laughs> oh my gosh. It, it, it did. It worked. It worked. <laughs> this is turning off really well. Uh, <laughs> Taylor, I think you haven't hit record yet. I do. I do. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Look, I'm truly thrilled to have you on the show. I mentioned before we started recording that you know, when I was on my journey into the Catholic faith, I began to selectively follow from people on, on Twitter, what was called Twitter back in the day. And you're one of those guys that I, I don't know how I first found you, but I began to follow you and your podcast. And there were a lot of people out there on Catholic Twitter who were, were grumpy, who were downtrodden, who were anti-this, and anti-that. And I, I kind of began to wonder if there was a section of, of of Catholics who were joy-filled Christians who who loved their faith and loved and celebrated it and and, and embraced it and and you're one of those guys that I found Taylor who was loud and joyful and laughed a lot and talked about ordinary regular things from a Catholic lens and just lived your life kind of unabashedly loud and Catholic. So I want to honestly just thank you, first of all, for being a presence like that on the internet and giving people who are looking into the faith hope that they're they're not a bunch of curmudgeons out there, but there are happy there are happy Catholics. Catholics like yourself, Taylor. Yeah, the internet is a is a very strange place. Thank you for the nice words. Uh, but I was I was actually just thinking about this in mass this weekend because like when when you know, as I was you know in my mind I knew we were going to be recording this and I'm oh it wasn't this weekend it was yesterday I was like I was like literally thinking about this yesterday because uh, as we record this yesterday was All Saints Day and I was sitting in mass and for whatever reason it just like dawned on me that like everybody there was in a good mood. And like nobody was arguing about like liturgy wars or uh, you know preferences and whatever. And I'm just like, that's all the Catholic internet is is a bunch of angry people and they're arguing all the time, which doesn't look like an inviting place for non-Catholics or people that maybe want to become Catholic. But then I'm like, they could come to the parish. Everybody here is sane and nice and seems into it, you know? Like they're they're yes, it's a holy day of obligation, but it's also a Wednesday, you know? Like they're they're here. It's it's going great. So it's, it's yeah, it's good timing on that front. Yeah, that's a good point too. That that there are Catholics outside of the internet in real life that do do in real Doing real stuff. The majority of them, yeah, yeah. are actually real people. <laughs> yeah. 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 I love that. Okay, so to, to dig deeper into the whole 
that I think I've already made for us here uh, on this episode. When we were trying to talk about topics to talk about on this show, and you suggested the idea of, of talking about the RCAA process and some of the pitfalls and failures and successes in that program, I thought this is probably the best thing ever to talk about with, with you on the show. Because one of the things, Taylor, that so frequently I hear almost almost universally from people who write to me after listening to the show or, or many of the guests who are on this show, in their experience of trying to become Catholic or becoming Catholic, they end up somewhere along the line concluding that RCIA, the process for people, adult, you know, non-Catholics to become part of the church, the rite of Christian initiation for adults or whatever it's called now, there's a different name, we can go into it maybe later, but that process it's, it's kind of like twitter like you know they change the name but yeah. nobody actually Nobody's acknowledges the new name yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the conclusion that so many come to right is that rcia sucks it's, ter- it's terrible it's awful you know i have my own experience that i've talked about before on this show right of going to the closest church to to our house and signing up not realizing that as I should have, the Catholic parishes are different and some are better than others and some are, are, are more vibrant than others. And I, I get to this process and this lovely uh, old, old nun really right out of the spirit of Vatican II, this you know, very much embracing kind of modern ideas of Catholicism kind of wheels out of VCR on a TV, on a, on a stand that some listeners and viewers are old enough to remember what, what that might be or look like, you know, dusts off a tape, blows it off puts it in and it's this a series from like 1986 on the Catholic faith and of course it's, it's all these ideas that kind of emerged following Vatican II ideas that are really not quite exactly what <laughs> the church believes and somehow kind of pass muster to get into this video series and I was horrified because I'd spent years and years and years uh, reading and in the early days of YouTube, binging Journey Home episodes and binging uh, different parishes, uh, recorded RCAA classes from really dynamic parishes. Father John Ricardo has a great series out there where he's just lecturing for three hours at a time. And I get to this, Taylor, and it's like Catholicism light, light, light. And everyone there is kind of just there for the mid-break refreshments. And that experience that was mine is repeated so many times by so many guests in this show and so many people who write to me and say, Hey, I'm, I'm on this journey. I've begun these classes. They're terrible. I think, is this really what the Catholic church is all about? So let's, let's just rant for the next hour about how awful our CIA is. If we can. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, or or maybe, maybe, maybe offer some uh, potential solutions if, along the way, but um, <laughs> we have to <laughs> let's rant for 45 and then try to solve it for 15. How does that sound? <laughs> That's great. So uh, I, I, one of the things I've noticed is um, I, I've been doing ministry for a long time. A lot of it was youth ministry. And now that I'm, you know, I'm getting older, like once you're bald and gray, it's hard to stand in front of a bunch of 16 year olds, you know, uh, actually the last time that I was speaking in front of a group of teenagers, I was wearing this exact hat that I'm wearing right now. And I was wearing it and we're doing that, you know, like the, you know, we're playing a game, introducing myself. And I'm like, all right, it's time to get serious. Right. So I take off my hat and I'm like, all right, guys, let's pray. And the girl goes, you're bald. I'm like, we're mid prayer. Like I had already done father and the son. And I like, I was like, God, we, we already started logging in. You can't be doing this. But, um, but now that I'm getting older, I am doing a little bit more like, you know, adult catechesis, like adult, adult formation. And, uh, there are a lot of Catholics who have been Catholic for 
a year, five years, 10 years, 25 years, and even up to like 50, 60 years that have, that I've been working with. And one of the big things that I'm realizing is that like, there was a lacking of catechesis and a lot of their formation. Right. Um, which I think is kind of what you're hitting on, right? Like maybe it wasn't presented in its fullness. But uh, one of the things that I'm hearing more and more, because we, we did this thing called Foundations. And it's like this 10-week course. It's like RCIA, if you scrunched it down into like the, t- the top 10 Catholic topics, usually RCIA is about 30, 35 topics. We were like, hey, can we cut out 25 <laughs> important things and just do 10, you know? Yeah, well, very, very difficultly, and it feels like we're not. Uh, it always feels like we're, we're, there's something missing because there's a lot missing. But anyway, it's beside the point. But um, I, after we were doing this, the pastor actually approached me and said, "Like, hey, can you come run our RCA because it's been been struggling, and and it, a lot of RCA programs have um, similar struggles. Some, like you mentioned, are." Um, a little light on the catechesis um, others. And I heard this one this week, man, where they're a friend of mine, a, another Catholic Twitter person. She is, has, has been walking with her friend in, in just in life and in faith for years. Right. So like, you know, everybody's excited. Like their friend is yeah, going to, yeah, it wants yeah, to become yeah, Catholic. Yeah. And she brings her Protestant friend to RCAA. She's like finally opened up enough doors, finally built up enough trust and comes in the first day. And on the first day of RCIA, the teaching is on purgatory and the closing prayer is a hail Mary. And I'm just like, like, those are two of the big four that are like, no, no, for Protestants, right? Like we have to build up to those things. Right. So I I just, I just think there's, you know, whether there's a lack of catechesis or just like, we're going to punch you in the nose with catechesis on the first day. Uh, I think there are some issues. So that's kind of like my initial thoughts there. I feel like that must be a decision to just get out of the way. Let's just tackle the hardest things first with no foundation for these things and get them out of the way. And right. just, you know, the, the, the approach is just kind of ram this through and just keep on going and don't right. look back. That's, that's so fascinating. But, you know, I've similarly, you know, heard approaches like that too, right? Or I taught for a couple of years, the, or led the RCA in our parishes and did most of the teaching because nobody else volunteered. And then COVID hit and when we came back together again post-COVID, we had a, a new pastor, and the first meeting for the RCA team was me and my guys who helped me out before, and these other crew just shows up. These these four or five older ladies kind of wheel in there and, and into, into this room. I think, well, who's... <laughs> Who's this? It's like the West Side Story. Like we're this this gang of you know of younger people, <laughs> and I'm not young anymore. I was younger a couple of years ago, maybe <laughs> a bit younger. And these older folks who are obviously much older here. Are we gonna? They started wheeling I, in I, the I TV know. and the VCR. No, just about. Here's the thing. Like the, the bizarre thing is. This new pastor, they saw their chance here with a new pastor to kind of blindside him and say, oh, hey, you know what? Before the last pastor was here, we were the RCAA team. And that new pastor came and knocked us out, brought this new upstart guy in here, who's me, and now we want to take control again. But kind of framed it to this new pastor as if, like, oh, it's, it's always been done this way, apart from the, those two years with this guy. And so we think we should kind of bring, bring these back. And they no joke kind of brought out these these textbooks with flowers and, and fireworks in the front and light pastels. So you knew right away it was definitely from the, the 80s. And and began, this the guy next to me who I've known real well, my, my buddy Nick, I he had to suppress a laugh because 
The woman literally said to the pastor, well, this isn't in print anymore, but this was our best resource. <laughs> and we kind of go, you know, Nick's laughing over here, and I'm, and I, I, I it's 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 not in print for a reason, though probably right. right? <laughs> but the you know the the idea is we've we've done something this way forever. You know, the, these new innovations they have to be avoided. This isn't this shouldn't be done this way. There of course is a balance there, I think Taylor, because we, we you can't just reinvent RCAA and put Mary in purgatory first, right? There's supposed to be a framework to follow, but you can't just stick to a thing you've done since the '80s and hope and and hope that it will keep working, right? And keep right. being yeah. meaningful and actually properly catechetical, right? Right. Yeah, so like times change, things that uh, people emphasize change, but like clearly the truths of the church don't change, but also like methods, you know, you know, the church uses like big T traditions and small T traditions, right? But like there's methods, big M methods that don't change, and but like the little M methods can change, right? Like we don't use clip art anymore. That was a thing <laughs> from 40 years ago. But the, the RCA process has a method that like the church holds dear, not only for RCIA, but it's so dear to how we form disciples, like living yeah, out the yeah, greatest commission. Yeah, yeah. It's so dear to the church that it actually says that every ministry that we do is based on the process of RCIA. Um, and I think so many of the mistakes come from people not following this framework that the church ha has laid out um, in, in either direction, either making it, you know, like not, theologically deep enough like like a lot of your experience has has been or like we're going to punch you in the face with catholic theology on day one so over overall uh what it's supposed to be it, this, uh, this is the skeleton and we can build out from here but the the first few uh, the church says that it's supposed to be two years long but who are we kidding it's one one year at every pair so we're just going to go with that framework so the first like couple of months the first couple of meetings that you have is supposed to be getting know getting to know the person Letting them ask questions like, um, you know, uh, atheists that, that show up. Is there even a God? And then you, <laughs> you, you answer those things, you know, proof for God's existence. For Protestant stuff, like let them ask, like, hey, we, we think that y'all worship Mary. Okay, then have a conversation about that, right? So it's like initial, building initial trust, and then just like the, uh, the basics of the gospel, which like, protestants coming would agree yeah. with right like the yeah. basic of the gospel yeah. and let them ask questions if if they have them and then secondly it's the process of the teaching the catechesis and that's typically the longer part so if we're talking in a year most people start around august august september maybe a little bit in october you're doing the like let's just build some trust and some relationship yeah. here yeah. not punch you in the face with with mary <laughs> on the first day right <laughs> and then the catechesis from you know like october until Lent. And that's where it's like, okay, we've built up enough trust that like, maybe now we can start saying like, hey, this is what the church teaches about Mary. Hey, this is what the church teaches about purgatory or whatever, right? Um, and then the third part is the spiritual formation and like getting rid of sin and doing daily prayer and all this kind of stuff. That's literally what all of our Lent is based on. We are just participating with the people who are going through RCIA. It's a 40-day process before they come into yeah, the church. Yeah, yeah. And the rest of the church is just like, hey, we're going to do it with them. Like, that's where it came from, right? And then the final part is the mystagogy, which is the the year after of, like, being brought into the church and, like, being fully ingrained, right? So I think that's the overall um, framework of how RCIA should be done. And I think we get messed up whenever we 
try like I think a lot of people try to put the catechesis first before the building of the trust. And then some people might try to only build trust and not ruffle feathers and never get to the catechesis part or or you know, like trying to get people hey, hey, your homework on week one is to go pray a rosary. It's like first of all, <laughs> so there are atheists here that have never prayed before. Second of all, there's Protestants here that don't like don't want to pray to Mary right now. So um yeah, that that's that's where I get frustrated is when I like the church has given us this framework. Yeah. And every issue, I, I think almost every issue is somebody just not following yeah. that framework. Yeah, 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 you're absolutely right. And that discipleship process, this, which is what it is, right, always has to begin with that initial building of trust and getting to know a person, right? And if, okay, I can see maybe some parents are wanting to skip that. Like, ah, that's a waste of time. We, we want to get right to the, the, the good stuff. Well, that's not what Jesus did. <laughs> he didn't take right, his disciples yeah, yeah. right away. <laughs> and on you know, on, on, on day one, say, Oh, by the way, I'm gonna die, raised from the dead, like all this stuff. Here's the end here's the end of the story. Gosh, like you know, Christ on earth showing us how to build disciples spends the time collecting them and talking to them and, and, and bring them into the fold before sending them out on this on this mission and, and doing the deep, you know, difficult teaching. Like that. That invitation, that that trust building, that is the the root of discipleship. That has to be, I, I think, it, it can't be it can't be skipped, right? Even though it might seem to be seem to be a waste sometimes in some context, right? And I think too, maybe the problem also is for people who are you know, the, the emails I get in my own experience too. If I'm honest, I've done years of reading and years of research and watched tons of stuff on YouTube, and I am ready to just jump right in and become Catholic tomorrow. So maybe RCA isn't right for me in that context. And so we can talk about that as well, if it should be sure. applied universally, because in some cases, you know, I was already baptized as a Protestant. Could I have skipped RCAA? In some cases, the, the pastor might say, yeah, you know what, you should have. But I think many people come into that process, okay, the parish wants to skip that faith building, trust building part. And, and oftentimes the person coming there already knows so much, they want to get right down to the nitty-gritty too, right? But I think in both cases, it's, it's an important thing not to, to just to, to skip. Yeah, I, when I've been working with, so again, it's not RCA, but it's like essentially reteaching the faith. Like a lot yeah. of this stuff, like I, I'm teaching the, the, the you know, the, probably the first 10 things you teach in RCA to a group of people who have been Catholic their whole life. But dude, I, I can't tell you how many uh, 30, 40, 50-year Catholics look at me like, I've never heard this before. Well, it's some of those, the building blocks, maybe the foundational things that, that based on that framework that you have to begin to build to work from too, right? See, if you skip something like, how do we know there's a God? Or how do we know that there, there's, there's good and evil? Or where do these things come from? You skip that and, okay, so maybe most people already know that. But those who don't, you get down the line talking about sin. Well, you've missed the building blocks of why a sin is a sin, right? Where where evil comes from, those kind of things, right? And I get into a jam, I think, later on down the line if you've missed those foundational things, even though some might be really like, ah, this is this is boring. This is I, I know this stuff. Let's get to the good stuff, right? Yeah. So there, there are two scenarios for people who, especially for like Protestants who have been very involved in their faith coming to RCA or coming into the church. One, one way is if they're like super into it. So a lot of people who have been like pastors or have like gone through you know, Protestant seminary or whatever, a lot of times the priest is just like, hey, just come have some meetings with me. And it's kind of yeah. this unset number. And essentially it's just like, what are your issues? Like, what are, what are the things holding you back? It, you know, a lot of times it's Mary and the Pope and papal infallibility and, you know, like whatever. There's a laundry list of things or it's just like, you know, ch church abuse crisis or whatever. Like whatever is like, what, what are the... 
like, you're not Catholic already. What are the reasons that you're not Catholic already? And the priest will kind of uh, talk and he'll, he'll ask them, you know, questions, you get, essentially just get to know them. Right. And that can be one, two meetings. That can be five or six. And maybe if, you know, if they go into those meetings and they're like, Oh yeah, you've never like heard of Jesus. Like you need to go. Yeah. 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 Sorry. So like th- that, that can happen, but also on the same side, I think this is for, um, for people that like maybe are going to RCA that, that like that are in the situation where you were saying like they can be frustrated because they want to jump right in. Right. It, you know, cause on both sides, like Catholics working RCA and people coming into RCA, it's like, Oh, we're just at the basics. And uh, that hits me a lot as a person who's been Catholic my entire life is because I can get stuck in that like mindset quite a bit. Like, why, why, why am I going to listen to this homily? I've heard all this stuff before. Yeah, why am I going to yeah, listen yeah, to this, yeah. this gospel? I read it in my personal reading three days ago, you know, like, so it, it's this, this, um, this idea of like, Oh, I know it all. And yes, just the, yeah. the, um, this point where it's just, I, I had, I had a priest tell me, it's like, okay, you've heard it before, but have you applied it all? It's like, clearly not. <laughs> like if, you, if anybody in my life knows that I have not perfected the gospel <laughs> life, you know? So there is something yeah, to that of yeah. like one being in a group and just being respectful of like, we are all in different places on our like spiritual journey and our theological journey, right? Like both in our mind and in our hearts. Um, but then also like, Oh, like, Oh, Oh, you're, you're mad because we're re-talking about, you know, Jesus dying for your sins. I'm sorry that we're going over this again. You know, like, have you perfectly, you, you know, gotten this deep down to the depths of your heart that God loves you at your worst moment? No, you still think you suck. Like, well, you still need to hear this stuff, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit on that. Like, oh, rerun. I've heard this one before. This is, oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. This episode again. No, no, no. Oh, we yeah. have to hear about the uh, you know the the breaking of the bread again. Come on, <laughs> <want> something new. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so true, right? And that's uh, also I should I shouldn't just disparage the, the program because that often is what the conclusion that many people I talk to come to, right? And when I came to as well, I might and I'm a guy, you know, this is the cordial Catholic, and I am nowhere near that. It's an aspirational title. I'm I'm very. I'm very stuck up. I am very prideful, self-centered. And for me, that that process, the RCAA, was a humbling thing because I came in objectively knowing a lot more than most of the people in the room. I, I, on, I'm not saying that disparagingly. You know, but a lot of the sponsors were, they were all lay people. Uh, the sister leading the program didn't have the best formation. And, and I was, I looking at the catechism, like, you know what, it's actually, I know this is actually not true you're teaching me here. And here's where it says, and, that for me was such an experience in in let it, in humility, right? And humbling myself to my teachers in that room, even when I was pretty sure that what I was hearing wasn't accurate, and had been taught other things by other teachers and other <laughs> one of the several online RCA programs I had I had done. Because I think I watched three different years of different parishes by that time. So my fourth one was the in person one, and. That, that for me was a very humbling process that really checked my attitude, my pride, my, my humility to just listen and learn and receive and, and respectfully take part and, you know, and offer answers and ask questions, but not to you know, resist that process, just kind of submit to be docile to that process. And many people that I talk to, right, come to that conclusion eventually, right? It's hard at first, but you know what? God's called me to this. This is the hardest part of becoming Catholic. I'm up for it. Like I, I, I can do sitting through 10 months of these talks that aren't super enriching for me personally if it means the Eucharist at the end and Christ's church and that being a process of just kind of humbling yourself, right? As, as bad as it might be sometimes. That's, I think, where most people eventually land. Like, okay, I can do that. I can do this. I mean, it's it's the best training for what it is to be in 
everyday Catholic I've ever heard in my life because that's how most of the Catholic <laughs> life feels a lot. Like, oh, this is boring and I'm not oh. getting the answers I want. You know, yeah. we've all, that, that's not a convert problem. I promise you this, you know. Um, but so you're right. And I'm, I'm glad, you know, like I do think a lot of, con- like a lot of my convert friends are some of my, like, like some of the um, most knowledgeable Catholics that I know because they had to, you know, they had to think about these things, sure. right? When you grow up Catholic, you're just like, oh yeah, sure, Trinity. Oh yeah, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> But um, it it do, it does also frustrate me. So, like, one of, you know, going back to our rant, uh, one of the things that it frustrates me that that was your experience, and that is a common experience because uh, this is like the welcome mat for the church, and and so often we are not putting our best foot forward yeah. as the church, right? So, like, I I can on the one hand like encourage people, and I have people like Leo, like like you, I have known enough people that have gone through ICA and did not have a great uh, experience of it, but there was a, like the lessons learned were the submission. And then maybe they were able to like, you know, have a a couple conversations with the priest on their own to get their questions answered or whatever. But like, it really drives me crazy. One, if it's just like not welcoming, not dynamic, not truthful, like you said, like they were like not actually sharing the truth. Like it's, it's really not that hard. Like it just, it just, it's like, and, I, and I'm not saying that it's not that hard for everybody. I don't think everybody is meant for this ministry or, you know, not everybody is meant for any ministry. Right. I think there are people that are called for this qualified for this yeah. and, you know, probably should be trained for this. That's that sort of thing. Right. So it does frustrate me when I hear situations like that, because what what I what I would hate is you know you stuck with it, but I would imagine that a lot of people don't because of they're yeah, just like yeah, yeah. these Catholics are stupid like they don't even know their own teachings. I just read their catechism yesterday and they're saying something like that's a that's a bad experience. And I just wish uh, I, I I wish we put more into like every parish that I've worked with has like a, has had a full time youth minister. It was often me has had a, a full time, you know, like adult person. We've had a full time this. And then for whatever reason, RCA is always run by volunteers. Yeah. But when I'm like, this is like, the, I would, I think the mass is it, like the church has said over and over again, this is our most important thing. So like the priests and the lit- liturgical people, that's important. Right. But when it comes to ministry, I think the RCA is the most important. It's the welcome mat that's bringing people in. And if we can't, build a good welcome mat and we're, we're like hey come join us and then it's not good right when you join us I, I, it's it's frustrating it's frustrating you know it, it's so interesting too because so first of all i was and many people are floored by the fact that there is this serious you know 10 supposedly two years as you said but normally ends up being about 10 months or so onboarding to become catholic right so that so that, that problem exists is often surprising to non-catholic christians because you know, for, for me, okay, as an evangelical, I became evangelical. I was, I was saved at age like 13 or 14 from a non, non-Christian house, became Christian. All I had to do was pray a prayer and then began going to youth group and then Sunday morning church. Eventually was baptized a few years later as a purely a symbol of my faith. Like that was all we thought it was. Wasn't required to become Christian. And I know Christians who, who never were actually baptized as evangelicals because they didn't feel called to make that public declaration and that that was fine based on their theology. That's all we had to do though is just pray a prayer and then begin to go to church. And you think, okay, that that's welcoming because I can just start and I can I they're there. There's no hoops to jump through. I'm part of that community. I'm fully part of it and we're good to go. The problem of course with that is there's no 
formal, what, what am I part of? Like, what am I actually joining here? Right, what right, do we right. believe, right? Because it's not just the Bible, it's our interpretation, our, our spin on what we're reading here. So to become Catholic and go through a process like RCIA is pretty crazy. It's pretty intense. And and often people like myself encountering the Catholic faith and then go, okay, well, how do I join this? And finding RCIA, go, wow, the church really has this robust, ancient, like really ancient process for onboarding you know, new Catholics into the faith, that's really awesome. And then many times, as you said, you get into it, and in, in my experience and, and others, and you go, oh, this is, this is the welcome mat. <laughs> like, it seems like, okay, this is going to be amazing. They're, they're serious about, you know, you got to do this thing to become Catholic. You can't just go to the church. You got to actually join the church and go through this intense class. And then the class is like, oh, it's not so intense after all. It's a little bit, right, right. A, little yeah, bit yeah. Good, a little bit crappy, actually. Yeah. When you get into it, right? So I think that it exists is pretty amazing. And then the reality that that's the welcome mat, and the welcome mat kind of falls a little flat sometimes. It that sucks, right? Yeah. And there's something to be said. Like, so my parish was in disarray a, a few years ago, right? And so sometimes, you know if a parish is a disarray and that's what you're joining, it's like, that's that, that there, there was some truth to like our parish is in disarray. And so is the RCA program. Right. But as things have, like we got a new pastor and things are, you know, going well. And essentially we, we built out this, you know, we, we said that the RCA is this groundwork for all other ministry. Right. So like we ended up accidentally uh, kind of accidentally on purpose, I guess uh, it, it was accident at first. And then we did it on purpose later on, but are, are you familiar with alpha? Yeah, like it's a, yeah. it's a, yeah. So um, it's a, a non-denominational process that we are using um, at our parish. Like there's, you know, they have Catholic reps and so you can like make it Catholic or whatever, but it is pretty um, non, like it's, it's, it's the basic gospel for yeah, 10 weeks yeah, yeah. where you come and you ask, you ask questions and, and it's open. Right. And then we, we built this foundations course that's after that. So it's like, Hey, you got the basic gospel and like who Jesus is, how God loves you. He died for your sins uh, and then join a church. And then the next, that, that's a 10 week process. And then we do this foundations process. which is like, Hey, here's the Catholic stuff, you know, here's sacraments yeah, yeah, and yeah. church and all that kind of stuff. And then after that we do, um, it's, it's this thing called quads. Essentially it's just small groups and it's like spiritual development. So it's like, we literally just built the RCIA process <laughs> for Catholics. Yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah, what, an it. interesting, like the reason that RCA has come up, cause it's like, I'm, I'm working like in this catechetical part of like our adult formation process, like for Catholics and, you know, some new Catholics, some old Catholics, whatever. Um, but one of the things that has, that we've realized is like, now we are finally like a pretty dynamic, dynamic parish, like disciples are being made, like people's lives are being changed. Like, yeah, this is yeah, great. Yeah, like, it's really yeah. cool. Especially after, you know, a few years ago when uh, I think it was soul sucking and not life giving, like it's supposed to be <laughs> right. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, but like we are now like relooking at our RCA process. Cause we're like, Hey, we actually have something good in our community. Not just, not just the mass on that. That sounds negative, but like not just the mass, but like we have a community and like formation opportunities and like discipleship stuff for people once they're Catholic. So let's look at this RCA process. So I think what it's going to take is like people like you and me saying yes to, to um, <laughs> teach the RCA process. And like the, the sad thing is it's like, there's, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of people in my parish that are equipped yes, and yeah, yeah. like ha ha have, have the perfect, like 
they could do all parts of those things. They could do the welcoming and answering questions. They could do the teaching. They would teach it well. They would teach it in a way that's engaging. They'd be able to answer questions. And it's just like, for whatever reason, RCA just isn't put on this pedestal. So I think, I think for Catholics, it's a priorities thing. Cause like all these dynamic people will help with parish missions and with youth ministry and with, uh, you know, prayer teams and all this kind of stuff. But it's like RCA is just like, ah, you know, it's like you were saying earlier, it's like, oh, it's the same old thing. The same old people that have been doing it for forever. Yeah. Yeah. I want to dig into the meat of the the catechesis of RCA. We talked about the kind of the introduction. The next part is kind of the meat of the the program, and then the mystagogy, which is also a, a fantastic word and an amazing process. But I want to, you just mentioned just now, and I have to talk about this: the idea that the after, like the after care of RCIA, right? Because that is that is such a disastrous thing. Sometimes I have I have two quick yes. stories, and the first is my own experience of finishing RCIA. And then I had a schedule before kids. I used to imagine this. Used to go to the gym, then to daily mass, and then to work every morning. And it was an amazing schedule. I was fitter than a fiddle, and spiritually and and physically, and exhausted then by the time I get to work. But that's fine. I, I got paid anyway, and didn't. And didn't whatever that. good priorities <laughs> yeah, i appreciate yeah, yeah, it yeah. <laughs> that's going a little too deep now I should, I should, that's a previous employer they they can't it's too late it's too late now guys different school board so i and i was there one morning after mass and on my way out because i had to really just run like you know pretty quickly to get get to work in time and the the priest stopped me and said hey i'm so glad that you're here nobody ever comes back and i thought what I kind of went, you know, what do you mean? No one one ever comes back. And he goes, oh, all these guys go through RCA to marry a Catholic woman and then don't come back. Never come back to the church ever again. So I'm happy to see you here every day and every weekend, you know, at Mass as a new Catholic. And I kind of left and drove to my work and kind of sat and thought, like, what a bizarre perspective that the default the default of this of the pastor was to expect not to see the RCIA, you know, the new Catholics ever again after they became Catholics in this parish. And he was surprised, you know, and gladdened to see me. Like that being the default, spoke horribly about the situation of the of RCIA. So there's there's that. And then my experience my my horrible, awful experience of teaching RCIA. And we get through the entire process. And this is the COVID year. So we kind of, the program ended just before Easter, things shut down, didn't do the vigil, didn't do any of that kind of stuff. And then picked back up again in July, up here in Canada, things opened up again. So we did kind of a condensed Easter vigil mass where we welcomed in the new candidates in July. So it was very kind of strange. And that was fine. We kept in touch over over Skype or, or Zoom, whatever it was back then. In between, to kind of keep in touch and keep things going and do little Bible studies and talk a bit more about the faith before everyone could get confirmed and baptized and have First Communion. And we did that little vigil kind of mass. Days later, our, our pastor was suspended, almost criminally charged, eventually laicized. And here are these new, <laughs> these, Taylor, these new candidates, brand new Catholics, the priest that just baptized them, gave them Eucharist, confirmed them days later, eh, isn't the priest anymore. <laughs> it was this horrible experience. Yeah. And then, of course, we're left to the team to pick the pieces up and figure out how we can, first of all, process our own kind of trauma in that situation, working closely with this priest, and then all of a sudden the world explodes or implodes. And these brand new Catholics who kind of suffered through this COVID program where we had to go distance and couldn't really finish it properly. They had to wait an extra number of months to become Catholic. And then 
hit with this the minute they're oh the minute they're Catholic, and it was like what what do you have to do to endure that and and press forward like that that to me seems incredibly challenging as a new Catholic to then have that that happen yeah uh, remember earlier when I um, kind of skated over my own life and I said that our parish was uh, <laughs> are we in the same boat like, 100% not no longer oh, a priest so, yeah 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 very very ugly. Oh. so like uh, one so on the scandal side of things like it it is always I'm more and more impressed when people uh, go through RCA and yeah. become Catholic and stay Catholic now yeah. because dude, I, if I'm being incredibly, I was honest on my show. I, I haven't talked about it in a while, but like it was real hard for me in my own faith yep. um, during the scandal stuff and around COVID and like uh, not all the church's fault, but definitely some of the church's fault, you know, and just kind of mixed in with my own stuff. And it was just, just a mess. Right. So like the fact that, anybody stayed that was born Catholic or that just became Catholic, just terrible timing. You know, you feel, you feel for those people. Right. Um, but like the, the answer to, um, whether it's to scandal or more generally to this, um, to this mystagogy this year, because like whether it's the COVID year or not, or whether there's scandal in your parish or not, the, the, like the priest assuming they're not coming back is actually correct because yeah. 60 to 70% of people that go through RCIA and are confirmed and what, whatever they receive on the Easter vigil are, are not there the next Easter yeah. vigil, 60 to 70%. And a, a, a lot, of, a lot of that is like, Oh, I just did this class because I wanted to marry the pretty girl. Okay. Yeah. That's that, fine. Like that, that's understandable, but that's not all of them. That's not 60 to 70%. Right. There's a lot of what, like why it worked um, or you know, for the people that it worked for, like their connection during COVID and the scandal was you and whoever else was on your team. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like, I, I think the, the mistake that is made a lot is for a lot of RCA thing. Like, like we already mentioned earlier, RCA is supposed to be a two year process. And then it's actually supposed to be a three year process because it's two years of prep and then a year of mystagogy. You're supposed to be continually walking with that group of yes, people yeah. until the following Easter because the church is saying that it is so important for people to to build roots, right? And I I, I got I I just went on a diatribe on my show the other day about uh, this priest that was complaining about like uh, Catholic parishes being social clubs for. Um, for families or whatever. It's like, Oh, they're just talking about their vacation, their 401ks. It's like, honestly, bro, like that's what people need. Like they, they come to, he, he, was, he was complaining like, that's what they do after mass. I'm like, they went to mass. Like they're not, they don't need to go into the parish activity center and debate John six. That's not what they need to do. They just need to live life together. Right. And so like, there's something to be said about that mystagogy of like, yes, they're still spiritual formation. They're still like building a life of prayer. If that's not, if you know, if, if like whatever is kind of new from RCA, whether it's the learning, like you can, you, know, you went through RCA and like, we can all admit whether it was good or bad, there's still going to be some holes in knowledge. Right. So it's like, Oh, I missed out on like, why even go to reconciliation? I didn't really fully get that answer during, during the process. That's still something I'm working through. Right. Like I went the first time cause I had to, but I don't want to go again. And you know, there's still kind of some things, but a lot of it, it's just like, like just little things. I'm literally just thinking about stuff that happened yesterday. Like we, we had a trunk or treat, after our yeah, yeah. Uh, after our All Saints Mass, right? So there was a couple of masses, but during the evening mass, when like everybody's out of work and everybody's out of school, we had mass and then trunk or treat. Whereas you know it's, it's just a community this community thing. We had a potluck, right? It's like that's the kind of stuff yeah. that like for me, 
I grew up Catholic. My kids are in the Catholic school. Like I'm ingrained in the community, but the people who just came into the church don't have that. They're just, they became Catholic, but they haven't lived this full Catholic life yet. And just inviting them to be like, Hey, if you have kids, bring your kids and let's go get candy together. If you don't have kids, open up your van. It's the one day that's appropriate of of the year. (laughs) Open up your van, come park in the church parking lot, get out some candy, you know, like, um, but like, that's kind of a silly example, but like, you know, Bible studies or like, you know, uh, whatever, right. Like they just need to be plugged into the community because like people like yourself, like, like Protestants who were into their faith beforehand, it's like they, intellectually you kind of got it and you have either worked through or have mostly worked through your issues with Catholicism because you became Catholic, right? You've done the work and now it's just like, how do I live this out? How do I continue to live this out? And a lot of that is being plugged into the community. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's, yeah, go ahead. You are a hundred percent right on that. That's absolutely accurate. I'm, I'm thinking for, that was a big thing for us. And actually for, you know, I became Catholic first. My wife became Catholic the following year, did RCAA in a different parish, the following year, one that we actually sought out, and, and that ended, of course, as I already mentioned before, not in the most positive way, but we sought out this parish because it had a dynamic environment of people who are really involved and cared in a robust family life and a robust RCA program. A Eucharistic chapel is open 24 hours a day for adoration. And we found it after my experience in this parish, it was a little bit sleepy and no one seemed to be super involved. We found this, saw this parish out that had things going on. She began RCA in that, the parish. And the big difference for us was, versus my experience, is that in hers, building community, intentionally embedding us as a family into that parish became part of the process. It was intentionally built in that way, right? We had Sunday Sundays after Mass on a Sunday evening. We had, or sometimes in the morning, we'd have ice cream in the, in the summer after Mass. We had, so- we had socials <laughs> in the parish hall, like after almost every Mass. And it was, it was that building of community, right? It, that's what it was about. And when we, we eventually ended up moving to a different city where we are now, and you know, we, we left the parish in tatters. So the friendships we had, we would see people occasionally because most people kind of left that parish and found places elsewhere to go because it kind of completely imploded, as, as you know in, in your experience. Right. And so we kind of left, in the end, having no real Catholic friends in our parish that we knew very well. And we're kind of starting over again when we kind of moved here. And what was remarkable for us was not necessarily finding, not necessarily a, a, a parish or a church that teaches super good, rich theology, and it's, it's all you talk about all the time, and there's, you know, just, just, just yeah, like you say debates in the parish hall afterwards. It was a community. It was a, a, a solid church with a great foundation, thoroughly Catholic, like trying its best to follow the teachings of the church with, with priests who are, who are trying to do that with a good community. And that makes such a huge difference, right? Especially for people who are new to the Catholic faith. I mean, for, for us, we've not been Catholic for a super long time. And for the last number of years through COVID, didn't have great close Catholic friendships because they all kind of fell apart when the parish imploded. To find families to go to the graveyard with and, and, and pray in November, right? To do trunk or treats with, like you said, at our parish, which happened a couple days ago. These th- these things like that, like that, that is the building of community. That is a kind of catechesis of how to, okay, how do I live the Catholic life out day to day in community? Like that, that is a kind of catechesis that is super important for new Catholics, I think. Yeah. Like 
connecting these these two stories of like when things were falling apart for me like when my parents fall apart professionally things were falling apart COVID was happening like everything was falling apart right and like the only not the only reason ultimately it came down to a, a conversation between me and god in my bedroom but like where i got support when everything was falling apart and i felt just completely abandoned by the church it was the people in my community that I was able to sit down and have conversations with and be like, Hey, look, I'm not like, like, yes, I have this public presence and I have a public show and I'm you know, public on social media, but it's like, I, man, when I was going through it, like my crisis of faith, isn't something that you just talk about publicly, right? Like that was a friend that, is, that I've, that I've been, I've known for a, over a decade. Uh, we've walked together. We've done ministry together. We've suffered together. We've had joyous times together. We've, um, we're raising our kids to get like, I mean, like all of, all of that stuff. Like I was able to have conversations with her where like, it's like, look, this is where I'm at. And it's pretty dark. Yeah. And I know that you know me. And try, like, there's all this stuff that was built up where it's just like, hey, you know, because I think a lot, of, if you don't have that trust built up, she could have just been like, oh, you know, God loves you. And I'm like, look, man, like, <laughs> we're not at the trite, we're not at the trite point, yeah. right? Like, but she knows me well enough yeah. because of years of us living life together, talking faith together, playing Pokemon Go together, uh, you know, <laughs> like, we've done all of life together, not just the faith part, right? Yeah. But when the faith part became front and center, yes. Yeah. She was, she was there for me and it was helpful. Yeah. Right. So like, there's just something to like doing the spiritual and the mundane together yes. where like, where like it, it's, it's just life because you know, like, yeah, we're supposed to be, you know, praying all time and Catholic all day, but it's like, I don't know, man, when, when I'm running a spreadsheet, I'm not thinking about my Catholicism, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, but it's, it's nice to have that, you know, it's just more ingrained into our life instead of just like, Oh, I'm specifically yeah. being Catholic yeah. now while yeah. I pray or whatever. Yeah. So. Gosh, I think the best example of this that I can think of it happened just just yesterday. We were at the at the cemetery for All Saints Day, praying with some friends of ours who had a child who was born who was who died passed away very very young, and of course is a saint in heaven now. And we were there for All Saints Day with a bunch of families, and the kids were you know our, our son included running around playing tag in the cemetery right. on All Saints Day, <laughs> yelling and, and jumping around. And we, were, and we were trying to wrangle him in and you know, be more respectful and give him a little pep talk ahead of time. But then his friends came in and they were all running around. And it was, and I kind of sat back and thought, this is the life, man. This is, we're doing this deeply weird Catholic thing. We're, we're in a cemetery. We're praying for the dead and asking the dead to pray for us. And our kids are playing tag. It was that perfect mix of the mundane and the sacred, right? That meat of, I think, raising kids and families in a deeply Catholic culture. Right. But, but being real, like, does that, does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, like it's life in the middle of a place that is about death, yeah. right? Like it's, Gosh, it's like yeah. the adults are doing the life thing yeah. of like praying <laughs> and asking for prayer and the kids are just being kids. Like yeah. they're, they're living like we, we, uh, it's beautiful, man. So it's, it's a beautiful story. I have a less beautiful story about going to a graveyard this week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so ironically enough, same person that I said that actually helped me through faith a lot. It's the same person that I teach the foundation score with where we are getting into like all of the, all the planets are aligning. We don't believe in that, but that's what's happening right now. Um, <laughs> Uh, so this was, this was, uh, Saturday, this past Saturday. So that, you know, the weekend before all saints day, all souls day and stuff, uh, we were playing Pokemon go because my kids, <laughs> me and my wife, her, her kids yeah. and her and her husband love playing Pokemon go. That's and good. we were driving around trying to find a specific thing in Pokemon go. I won't bore you with the details, <laughs> but we find this place and it ends up being a graveyard that has this, like it's a location. So we go into the graveyard, we're playing Pokemon 
and then we leave and then we go to mass the next day and the priest's homework for our mass was for everybody to go to a graveyard and pray for all souls day and i'm like did we already do the homework like does it count if i did it already so uh, let's just say you you were doing the much holier version and more beautiful family version than us running to a pokey stop so good for you guys i love that i love that okay i want to talk about before we before we are, are done the meat of the catechesis of rcia okay because you know a guy called Father Mike Schmitz who's doing a Catechism in a Year podcast, which is wonderful, walking through the Catechism. And he mentioned off offhand something that affirmed me deeply in my experience of teaching the program. And he said when he teaches RCIA to the students on campus where, where he uh, lives and teaches and works, he just reads from the Catechism and just teaches RCIA from the catechism. And I thought, thank goodness it's not just me because that's what I've always taught it, right? I've just, I followed the framework that the bishops kind of set out for what order to teach things in. It generally follows just how the catechism already goes anyway. But then you, I just make my slides up based on the catechism and essentially just read the catechism and talk about the catechism and kind of discuss the questions they have in there and the, and the, the, the different paragraphs and things with the group of candidates at our CAA. And I think that's a sensible way of doing it, just teaching from the actual, because you can't go wrong if you're teaching from the catechism, and it avoids the the making up of random things for a schedule, first of all, and the making up of, of things that aren't necessarily true and accurate anymore. I mean, I, the things I was told, I, w- I, w- I was excited for the Adoration Week at RCA, talking about the Eucharist and Adoration, and I, and I come in and... I remember we were, you know, we did adoration before, or I think we in, in the middle of the the session. So did a bit of teaching, did adoration with the Eucharist and the monstrance and the altar and the church, and then came back down and did the rest of it. And I remember I went in there after adoration and I kneeled down on both knees before entering the pew because our Lord was exposed on the altar, and that's the proper, you know, Catholic <laughs> calisthenics to do calisthenics catechesis similar words similar similar <laughs> yeah. root words actually that's the proper catholic you know position to take when when during adoration is, is to kneel down with both knees and then enter the the pew so i did that and i remember afterwards the sister who taught the course said actually no oh, i saw you do that when you came in but you know what we used to do that but don't do that anymore that's kind of an old old-fashioned thing and i and I felt like I flip it open the catechism. Going, no, no, no. Actually, look, kind of right here, it talks about the reverence for the Eucharist and the, uh, during adoration. And that was one of those things where I, I took that and then went forward. And when I began to teach RCIA, used that memory to go, you know what? We just need to actually just teach from the actual source rather than trying to interpret that source or just draw on our own imagination sometimes, right? Or just not scolding people for doing something holy. <laughs> like, you know, like, like that, that drives me yeah, crazy. Yeah. So, it's like, my, there's a, because, like, I, like, w- w- like, I, whatever. I was always taught that you genuflect on the left knee, right? And then kneel when you get into the pew. So you and I even have different yeah. places, things that we've learned, right? Um, but like, you know what I would never do is yell at you for doing two knees. And I would imagine you'd never yell at me for doing one knee. You know, like, it's just, there's just, it's like, they're clearly trying. Yeah. It's not like if you yeah. go down on one knee, you're worshiping Satan. You know, yeah. like, you're not going to accidentally <laughs> worship somebody else, you know? Uh, but was there so funny, when we were growing up, my sister, who's left-handed, like, when you're growing up Catholic and, and like, I think t- 
uh, I think it's good advice for people who are going through RCA and becoming Catholic. It's like the way we all learned is just by watching other people. Yeah. So you yeah. just watch other people, right? So that, that's how we all learn Catholicism uh, and especially the calisthenic stuff with mass and liturgy and stuff. But like my sister's left-handed. So she, like I go down on my left knee and use my right hand to do the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and amen. She's just mirroring us and she's <laughs> a child. And so she went down on her right knee and did left hand, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Yeah. And she got scolded by this lady that worked for the parish. And I was like, genuinely shut up. Like, leave her alone, man. She was like seven years old. She's genuflecting before Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Leave her alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. Uh, but... Th- no, there's one thing. I, I'm surprised. I agree with you, but You're I think surprised. there's something missing. No, I'm, su- I'm uh, here's here's what I'm surprised by. I agree with. You. I should have started with that way. I agree with you, but I'm surprised That's about better. what you said as a convert because I think I think you're missing something. Uh-oh. That's quite important, especially for people who are coming into the church from a Protestant background. There's, there's another book. I've heard of this one. Is... Shoot. So, uh, like it's funny. Is showing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So there's this, um, uh, I use this thing called the RCIA manual, right? Yeah. So essentially it, it, it's, it's built out for, um, I got it from when I went to, uh, to school for this and, uh, it is like the top 60, Catholic teaching. So the thing that I do is like, I don't have to recreate the wheel, right? Like it's all there, but what it does is it sets out every, like the top teachings that you need to do. It gives like the primary bullet points and then it has quotes from your catechism (laughs) and also the other book called the Bible, which I think, I think, I I think it's an important thing to address, especially when you have a lot of (laughs) Protestants in the room. So uh, that would be my only slight pushback (laughs) to what you said. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. And to be be fair, I I did go to my first RCAA session with my, with a catechism and a Bible. Didn't bring either back because obviously neither was needed in my my version of the program. This is not a required text for this class, apparently. But you're... (laughs) <laughs> to be fair, the catechism quotes the Bible extensively. It so does, really, it does. if you have the catechism, you have the appropriate Bible. <laughs> but I think you're probably right, too. I think you're, I think you're probably right. There are just so many programs that, that nonsensically just reinvent kind of the teaching of the church, right? And I, and I think, why? Like, why are you trying to... And this is also a problem that's larger, I think, in terms of Catholic apologetics and Catholic and, and Protestants wondering what Catholics believe and Catholics trying to explain themselves. So often, you know, and I learned this too in my experience of becoming Catholic, so often the answers are just right there in the catechism. And if you're wondering what Catholics right. believe, you just look in the catechism and find the answers. And you spend all kinds of time reading Protestant sources and Protestant videos and these different things. If you went to the source, you'd find the answers pretty quickly and find them that they're quite different and quite robust compared to what you actually thought you knew, right? I think that's a huge problem in RCIA, I think in larger Catholic apologetics too, I think, a lot of the time. Yeah, I think there's some there's some hubris that comes into it of yeah. just like, oh, I, I you know, I've been Catholic my whole life. I know this stuff. When like, you know, like as I've been working with, you know, working with catechism a year, I hear stuff in the catechism, I'm like, one either like it's tweaking how my understanding of what the church taught, or it's just like this. I think I, as a Catholic have had some pride. It's like, Oh, I've got, I, I grew up going to youth group every week and I uh, got a one and a half degrees in theology. And I've been working in ministry for 15 years. And then I like just the other day, he was, he was reading this, um, uh, this, this section on like struggling in prayer. 
And I just had like, my assumption was always just like, the church just assume everybody's prayer life is going great and everything's going tremendously. What well, you know, the church doesn't care about me when my when I'm struggling in prayer. And then there's this whole section on struggling with prayer, and it is one of the most beautiful passages I've ever read in my life. And just the hubris of me being like, I know better than like these doctors of the church. When like he was quoting, you know, uh, Saint John Chrysostom, whose nickname was the Golden Tongue because that's how good he was at speaking. And I'm just like, oh, I know better. It's it's just like there's just so much hubris when it comes to like not using the source material. I think I think part I think part of it is like you know, oh, I, I'm doing this as a volunteer. I don't have time to you know you know read all through everything. So I think there's part you know part of it's a practical thing, and and I think part of it's like oh no, I know it. What do I need to do this for? Yeah. So. Okay, one more thing, and then then and this is the end. Because I want the, one of the struggles that oftentimes happens at the end of the process, and this happened for for us, my wife and I, in, in my own experience, you finish the process and you realize, oh shoot, I'm in a parish that really stinks. <laughs> like I'm in a parish that there's no other families here. There's no programs that I can plug into to deepen my you know, my faith, to to learn a bit more, to meet anybody else. You know, there's no kids in this thing. There's, it's it's sleepy. It's old. There's no there's no confessional times. There's no. It's it's. I don't like it. And the struggle becomes: Do I then become a Protestant again and go church shopping for a Catholic church, like the you know the the classic Protestant kind of evangelical church kind of shopping, church hopping, right? Where you're you're looking for a church that suits you and your family's needs, that has good worship music, good children's ministry, good programs. Do you revert back to that kind of default now as a Catholic and go para shopping? And I know this is a contentious issue, so probably but in two minutes time you probably can't solve this issue, Taylor, but. This is a real struggle for a lot of people who do the program in a random parish and realize maybe at the beginning or halfway through or at the end that they can't stay in that parish and meaningfully live their Catholic life. Yeah. <laughs> what I, do you do? I, I am, yeah, I'm, I've got a hot take on this, I, especially for <laughs> I people it. that are, especially for people that are um, new to the faith. Like because of the stats that we know that they're not going to be here, 60 yeah. to 70% of them aren't going to be here because of crap like this. There's yeah, nowhere yeah, for them to go, yeah. right? Even if we do the welcome mat good or good enough that they stay through Easter, it's just like if we don't bring them, if, if there's nothing to send them to or to bring them into, it's it's time to perish up. It really is. Like I, like I have, as a lifelong Catholic, I have done it. I have been in a place like I, I've, I found my... I, I can live my faith on my own with no community support for about six to nine months. Yeah. I found that out during COVID yeah. because yeah. my parish family fell apart and I have enough knowledge. I have enough faith background. I have enough like roots in my faith and my relationship with God, my relationship with the, with the church. But dude, after nine months of not being fed, I, I was dying on the vine, yeah. like legit, like, yeah. you know, like yeah. being pulled off of the vine. Right. So like, um, I think for people like you and me that have been Catholic for a while now, and that have, like, I think there's a little bit more discernment for you and I. Like, hey, do I stay in this parish sure. and yeah. try to help yeah. it or whatever? But dude, if for new for new Catholics especially, or even people like you, like, we went church shopping for a while, right? And ultimately, we got a new parish uh, pastor at our parish, and it really worked out, and I love it now, right? But. Yeah. Um, I really think, especially if it's like, especially if your kids are involved, like making the discernment for your family, like I, I'm just Paris, the, the whole parish boundary argument and you have to go there that you really don't like, there's nobody making you, nobody's <laughs> checking. Um, honestly, I think it's a discernment for like 
for you and especially for like, you know, if you're married for you and your, your wife, your, you and your family, you and your kids, um, like if they have a vibrant, you know, youth group, go to that one for your kids. If they, you know, like there is something to be said, I think like when it comes to like, you know, homilies or music or whatever, like, yeah, there's going to be some that are bad or worse, but like, I, I, for, there can be something of like, okay, you know, it's, you know, we can all agree that it's the mass is about the Eucharist. It's not about the homily or the music, but if it's bad every week and it's good down the road, I mean, go down the road, you know, like I, I just think like I have been in thriving parishes and I've been in places where I felt like I was not being fed yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, after years and years and years of doing this, I'm going to go where it's good for, for my, my spiritual life and my family. So, yeah. yeah. I, I Not think the correct answer, but it's the answer that I have come to. Well, I, think, <laughs> I, I think you're absolutely right. That's the, that's the, the answer along those lines that I am willing to give most places, most people who ask questions like that. Because in my, in my own lived experience, Taylor, was the matter of really my wife was questioning whether she would become a Catholic, how we raise our kids. You know, th- there was a year of kind of tumultuous, like, I'm Catholic, she's not. What are we going to do? And it came down to how could we ever raise our kids Catholic in this parish that has nothing for them, right? So, and that's the case for many people who become Catholic, right? One spouse becomes Catholic, the other one does not. How do you balance that? And that's when like, yeah, okay, you go to that. And we did. We found that parish where we could see ourselves as a Catholic family raising kids and those things for them to plug into and the community to raise our family, you know, alongside. And that for us was, okay, this makes sense. And I think, like you say, for the new Catholic, just do it. Like for us, we can discern for new Catholic, go where you are fed and where you can, especially bring your family where, you know, you're all fed and you know, that's, that's the choice. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, this has been this has been fun. I think a little bit a little bit ranty, a little bit a little bit spicy. Uh, a good blend of you know of, of spice and and meat. It was this like a taco. I don't know Sp- spice and, yeah, and it is, good it is my dinner time. You're I like making, it. I want some Mexican food. Now. I like Let's it. Some tacos. Um, <laughs> please tell people if they don't know where they can find you, where they can go to find you. You do awesome stuff. I I, I love it all. I I listen to more than I thought I did of your work because I found out that you also produce some fantastic podcasts too so i don't know what you want to tell people where do they want to go i'll put links in the show notes but but spit it out taylor tell them whatever and i'll shut up sure yeah before i do that i just have to tell you i've, I've been thinking it the entire time we've been talking but like you i feel like i'm talking to lin-manuel miranda you look exactly like him <laughs> really- uh, yeah I, I, like i just saw an episode of uh Curb Your enthusiasm right before we got on here where he was in it i'm like hey i'm talking to lin this is great <laughs> like this up now. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, where you can find me, uh, ForteCatholic.com is where is like the landing place for everything. I know a lot of people here uh, you know, are listening on podcasts or, or watching on YouTube. Um, you can you can be the 11th view on my videos. <laughs> I, I actually only get 10. Uh, YouTube.com slash ForteCatholic. That's where we, we do a weekly podcast. Um, but then also, uh, I think specifically for for your audience is uh we did this foundations course that i mentioned earlier it's like a 10 week um you know if we could condense rca down down to 10 weeks um either a lot of people who have gone with like there are people right now using it as a supplement because their rca program isn't very good so if you're in the scenario that we were talking about there's a foundations um link it's me and my friends that uh you know that have been mentioned that we we teach the class together here for our parish and then we recorded one of the session or we recorded 
a group of the sessions, all 10 sessions there. So it's all on YouTube and you can listen to the podcast for the Catholic on um, wherever you listen to podcasts or on, on YouTube. But uh, yeah, the foundations course, it's, it's been a really cool thing, man. Uh, because like it's mostly been Catholics who are, yeah. uh, you know, who have been yeah. Catholic for a very long time. And like, you know, there's 25 people in the room and one of the homeworks that we give them about halfway through, which is pretty close to where it happens in RCA is like, Hey, if it's been a while since you've been to confession, it's probably time to go. And we had like it of, with 25 people, we had like 200 years of not going to confession that went to confession, you know, 40 years for that person, 25 for this person, 20 years for that person. So, uh, it's just been such a blessing to be a, a part, a part of that. I think it's the most like, um, life-giving ministry i've ever been a part of it's, it's been really cool so um if you want a, a little taste of that it's over on our youtube channel. that's amazing i can't imagine a better measure of anything than years between confessions like that's that that's that an awesome achievement i love that like yeah it's <laughs> the coolest that's great awesome man listen thanks for being on the show uh i want to say god bless you and the work you're doing for the church because truly impacted me becoming Catholic, seeing someone like you, joy-filled, living the Catholic faith, and I know others have found you similarly. I was going to say attractive, then I thought I shouldn't, but it is those piercing gray eyes, Taylor. We know this is those those eyes are like daggers, man. I love it. (laughs) Thanks for being here, Taylor. God bless. No, thanks for having me. Yeah, you too. Well, that was lots of fun. Hopefully you enjoyed that conversation, guys. I love Taylor. I love having him on the show. A wonderful guy. Lots of fun. So hopefully that resonated with you too. But he made a therapy session in the middle kind of there, guys. So hopefully that wasn't too deep and uh, too uh, awkward for you to listen to as the listener. But hey, we have more in common than I thought we did. <laughs> turns out <laughs> the cordialcatholic.com is our website for show notes my blog and those kinds of fantastic things uh, reach out via email cordialcatholic at gmail.com I currently have a very full email inbox but I promise you guys I read each and every email and get back to those that I can as soon as I can and so please do uh, reach out by email and I will get back to you as soon as humanly possible it's busy these days guys so thank you for your patience we're on Instagram, uh, Twitter, or X, and TikTok at Cordial Catholic. The Cordial Catholic on Facebook. Join our uh, seven point something thousand followers there to uh, get updates for the show as well. And we're on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Cordial Catholic. And hey, if you don't mind, guys, we're trying to build that channel up to grow that channel. It's slowly, slowly growing <laughs> beyond a measly uh, handful of followers. And if you could head over there and subscribe, that really helps to build the profile of the channel and get th- these conversations like this one out to more and more people so thank you guys if you're on apple Podcasts or on spotify please press pause and leave a rating or review those written reviews especially on apple Podcasts, help to push the podcast out to new people and expand the reach of episodes like this one thank you guys for listening to this show know that i'm praying for you please pray for me too i'll talk to you again next week thanks so much guys take care and god bless This show is brought to you in a special way by our co-producer patrons over at patreon.com slash cordialcathy. A special thanks to Ellie and Tom, Calvin and Susan, Stephen, Suzanne and Victor, Phil, Noah, Nicole, Michelle, Jordan, John, James, Gina, and Aram for your special support at the co-producer tier and making this thing possible. You guys are fantastic. God bless and thanks for your support.